Good morning. This is Ken Sternfeld for The Hub. We are normally here on Sundays with you doing our Sunday conversations. But going forward, we're going to do every Sunday the Concierge Hub Hour. It's going to be just an open dialogue, hopefully where callers will dial in and get in touch with us to talk about their experiences in their life. You know, we started in pharmacy here on the Pharmacy Podcast Network as a podcaster, where I did the PGX for Pharmacist uh, podcast. And then we moved over to the Concierge Pharmacist Show on the Pharmacy Podcast Network and Helium Radio to expand the reach of the voice and the message of being a coming a concierge pharmacist. And now we're doing the hub. The hub is on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We're going to do that at 5 p.m. in the afternoon, kind of hopefully a time when maybe your day is finished your, your shift or you're on your way to your shift or you're back or you're forth. But we're going to have that scheduled and evergreened up all week long so you can listen to the hub. Because the hub is about your opportunity to discuss anything and everything in healthcare. We're going to have some very interesting guests on the hub that really may not even be specific in pharmacy. Uh, We'll have students. We'll have healthcare professionals. We'll have pharmacists, of course. And we'll have people who are really doing things to advance the care of the patients who we work with every single day. But on Sundays... We're going to use the conversation almost as a public service. You know, everyone has challenges in their life. It's not just work. It's not just pharmacy. It's about living life. You know, life has its challenges. So sometimes it's nice just to reflect on the memories that you have. Well, yesterday, and kind of the reason why I'm doing this concierge hub hour is I just like to listen to sports radio. And I just, WFAN here in New York is the flagship. And I I just listen, not to call in or not to hear people's opinion because I have opinions of my own, but it's just kind of mindless conversation that you just listen to other people's perspective. Because sometimes when you listen to other people's perspective, it gives you clarity or makes you feel like your perspective needs to change. So I listen. God gave me two ears. I talk a lot. But when you listen, it's very interesting. And there are very, very interesting uh, hosts on the FAN. Some of them are very opinionated. Some of them are, you know, comical. Some of them are just interesting to listen to. And they generally always have a monologue when they start their show. And uh, some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them you agree with. Some of them you don't. So I'm driving around yesterday and I'm doing my honeydew list, you know, which are things that uh, my wife tells me, you know, would you have a chance? Would you see if you could do this or that? And of course, that's not if you have a chance. That's it. That's if you please better do that. Otherwise, you know, you're in trouble. And I'm driving around and making the stops and I'm on my way back to the house and I get near the apartment complex and Chris Moore who is a, he's not a regular uh, FAN uh, uh, broadcaster, but he's on pretty, you know, on a fill-in base. He's kind of like a floater. He's kind of like a floater pharmacist. And he fills in. And he comes in and he does a great job. He gives floaters a good name. He's a very, very good host. 
very, very opinionated, uh, very sometimes almost too negative. He's always looking at the glass half full, in my opinion. But I enjoy listening to him. He's got an engaging uh, way about him. So I'm listening to him, and, and they come on. He gets on, I don't know, I guess it was 2 o'clock or 1 o'clock. I don't remember. And here he is, and he starts talking with his monologue. And he talks about memories of a child 50 years ago. Because yesterday was the 50-year anniversary of when they retired Mickey Mantle's number, the famous number seven, the Mick. And I said, oh, my God, that was important to me, too. I remember that. Mickey Mantle was, was God to me. Mickey Mantle was what every young boy looked up to. He was what every young boy wanted to be. I was 13 years old, and I remember, based on listening to Chris, I remember it like it was yesterday. You couldn't even get the, get it on, uh, you know, on television like like Sports Channel or whatever. But I remember the retirement of Mickey Mantle's number, and it was June 8th, 1969, and it brought that memory back to me, and it was just it was so vivid. It was the, the meaning of it, the, the way it impacted my life because. You know, a couple of years before that, four years before that, he retired. You know, the Yankees knew that he really was at the end of his career. I never saw him at his greatest height. But because of who he was and because of the image and the, and the, the magic of Mickey Mantle, you live through that. You know, it was more than a baseball card, which I had, and my mother threw out his rookie card. I would not have to be working for a living if I had all those baseball cards that my mother threw out. But it was amazing that what Chris Moore, who talked about his experience where his dad took him to the game, his experience of feeling the, the love and the innocence of, of being young and the memories of being young. You know, we talk about, you know, the good old days, you know, too much, but that memory that Chris Moore spoke about just resonated with me. So clearly, because I have no life, I called in and I said, Chris, you know, I get on the phone and their the producer, Tommy Lugau, is a nice guy. I, I had called in last week. I mean, really, I'm out of my mind. Uh, one of the doctors who I work with says, we, we, I heard you on sports radio last weekend with Ed Randall talking baseball. I said, yeah, that was me. Clearly, I have no life. But um the thing is, they put me on, and I said to Chris, I said, it wasn't about Mickey Mantle, even though I loved him, because, you know, at the end of his career, for me, I needed another hero. I needed a heroes who, heroes who I could follow from the beginning of their career. Yes, it was great to know Mickey and to follow him and to love him and to, and to be sad when he retired, but it was like, okay, who's my hero? And in 1969, as a young boy, you know, there I am, uh, 14 years old now, I was 14, 54, yeah, 14 years old. In New York, you had lots of heroes to choose from. You had the Miracle Wet Mets winning the World Series. You had the Knicks winning the NBA championship. And the Jets, you know, with the guarantee that Joe Namath put out to win the Super Bowl. So, you know, I had to choose and I wanted to choose and I needed to choose my heroes. So it was Tom Seaver, Joe Namath, and actually Walt Frazier. I loved him. 
you know, just loved him and Willis Reed. You know, these were the heroes that we had, that I had as a young child. So, you know, Tom Siva was the one that came to the top of the heap for me. Yeah, Joe Namath was great and had a, a you know, a great career. And, you know, he did things and, you know, they were interesting. You know, Clyde Frazier, you know, with his crazy dressing and all the other stuff, you know, they, they came off the court and off the gridiron differently than they were when they were on it. So it was a little different for me to kind of embrace them as heroes. But Tom, Tom was terrific. Tom was the franchise. Tom was as as pure off the off the field as he was on the field. The All American, his wife, you know, Nancy uh, Seaver and Tom Seaver. This is what everybody looked to. He was the franchise. And I don't care what Tom Brady thinks up in Boston. And I like Tom Brady, and I respect him for all his greatness. But if he wants to franchise the the term, the franchise, he's nuts. Nobody was the franchise more than Tom. Terrific and Tom Siva. So, you know, I have two beautiful daughters, Amy, born in 1981. So here I am. Now I'm wanting to pass that along to my children, that that hero. Who's your hero? Of course, you wanted you know you to be their hero. But you know, they weren't into sports like I was. So I said, okay, I'll wait for this. Amy was born in 1981 and really had no interest in baseball. You know, we, we, I don't know, we, whatever our interests were in dancing and, and travel and shopping, it turned out to be a big interest of her is shopping. Uh, so I said, I'll wait for the next child. And then Emily was born in 1987. It was another girl. So I'm going, what am I going to do? I have this, this burning desire to share my hero worshiping, you know, with my children. And then the opportunity came up. It was July 24th. 1988. It was Tom Seaver Day at Shea Stadium. What am I going to do? I have to take Amy. Have to take your firstborn child. Have to take the one who just to pass the legacy along. And she says, okay, sure, Dad, I'll go. I'll go to a baseball game with you. No problem. She was, I think, seven years old at that time. She was more interested in Purple Barney than she was in baseball. But that's okay, because you want to teach the children, teach the next generation, show them the purity of what you believe in, what your life was about, and pass that legacy along. So Tom Seaver was my hub. He was the center of my professional baseball love for what what I very important part of my life. And I wanted to pass that love along to the next generation. So I bring her to Shea Stadium and we go up there and as soon as she gets in there, you know, she sees the the, the dolls and the t-shirts. She's, oh, I want this, I want that. You know, daddy, buy me this, buy me that. Again, I'll tell you about her aversion to shopping. It was even young, it's seven years old. So not aversion, her aversion is, well, I don't know, I'll have to look it up. Her love of shopping, a love of, of things. So, um, I said, no, no, Amy, no, come on, that's, that's, no, no, big, that's nothing. It's, let's get to the seat. You know, it's a ball game. There's a ceremony here. We're running a little late. Let's get there. So we get to our seats. And they go through the ceremony and all of the players and the management. They give Tom his, uh, you know, his, his golf clubs and his speeches and everything else. And, and he gets in there and then he 
does his speech and he talks mm-hmm. about how wonderful his career was and all that. And thanks to fans, thanks to Mets, thanks to world, thanks everything else like that. And it's, it's wonderful. And I'm just looking down at Amy and she's kind of, you know, just, you know, hanging out there with her daddy and it's great, great kid. She was wonderful, always well-behaved, beautiful, beautiful little girl. Now it's beautiful, beautiful little big woman now. And, um, with two of her own, uh, children. And then Tom in his brown suit, I remember it like it was yesterday. He goes out, he runs out to the mound and he bows to all four corners of Shea Stadium. He just kind of gives that homage, that that thank you to the fans. And he takes a ball, a baseball, and he looks at home plate and Jerry Grody, his catcher for the years, was behind the plate. And he wound up and he threw that last ball to Jerry Grody right over the plate. And I started to cry like a baby. The tears didn't stop. I couldn't control myself. And my daughter, Amy, she got scared. Daddy, what's the matter? What's the matter? I said, it's all right. It's all right. You just don't understand. I, I, I'll, I can't explain it. And I, and, I, and I grabbed her by the hand. And we ran out into the, into the, uh, the area where all the, and, and all the souvenirs were gone. There, were, there, were, there wasn't anything left. I couldn't, I couldn't get those memories. But, but Chris Moore... Thank you, Chris. Help me have those memories again. And it, it it just thinks about the hub. It made me think about what are the epicenter hubs of our life? What's important? Where do we think about every single day? What are the memories? I remember my dad taking me to the polo grounds. It was a birthday present. It was the one baseball game he took me to in his life. And it was to the polo grounds. And last year in 1963, I think I was uh, nine years old. It was one of the, you know, that was the last year that the Polo Grounds, uh, the Mets played uh, two years when they in their existence at the Polo Grounds before Shea Stadium. And what I remember is Choo Choo Coleman. The catcher for the Mets was Choo Choo Coleman. I wasn't following the Mets. I wasn't rooting for the Mets. I was rooting for my dad to spend the day with my dad. And I remember Choo Choo Coleman. Uh, and that day at the Polo Grounds in 1963. So where am I going with all this? I don't know. But the hub, the thought, the, the hub is a, is a, is a, it's just where everything comes together. Now, sometimes at the hub, bad things come into the center and you have to move through them. But think about the good things that are in the hub of your life. Think about your profession and the love you have for it and renew those vows. Our first hub show was with uh, Crystal Cruz and we joked about how we're going to get married and uh, you know, and, and we're gonna marry the profession of pharmacy and the business of pharmacy with the Care One Concierge uh, iPad solution to put the profession in the palm of your hand. Well, the hub of healthcare is the patient. And we're the pharmacist who right there can help that patient. So everything we're going to be doing with Care One Concierge is going to be focusing on the patient. That patient experience is the only thing that can keep them healthy. You know, you can give good news, bad news, no news to a, to a patient, but it's how you deliver it and how they feel about your level of care. 
There are great doctors, and it's not more than bedside manner. You know, it's more than, okay, he's a great surgeon, but he has no bedside manner, or she's got no bedside manner. It's about having the confidence in your healthcare provider that they're there bringing their A game based on their knowledge or their expertise, but also that they care. And you have to show that care and compassion and empathy. So when you're in a work environment that doesn't allow that to occur, don't blame the work environment. Don't stand by the water cooler and complain. Move to a place, to a higher ground. Move to a better place. Move to a place where you'll have a memory of that relationship like I had with Tom Siva. Never met him. Never met him. Did meet Joe Namath. That was pretty cool. But I never met the man, you know, the myth, the memory of what I believe was a great, 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 great human being and a great, great person for, uh, for me to look up to. So, you know, I look up to patients. I look up to the fact that if I see someone suffering with chronic diseases, I look up to them because they're strong and I want to help them. You know, everybody's got these feelings and everybody's got this this culture. Everybody has this capability. Do it one patient at a time. Be that hub for their care. Be that hub for their memory. That, you know, I remember when that pharmacist took the time and made the time to help me. I remember when he or she went the extra yard. So our conversations on the hub, you know, the concierge hub conversations are going to be every Sunday. And I hope, I hope it's not just my voice. I hope, I hope, I hope that you're going to want to call in. And this is going to be an open mic kind of scenario where I want to hear stories. I want to hear or have our listeners hear other stories about how you have memories of your profession or of your life. Because your life and your profession, if you mold them together, will make you feel better, better than you've ever felt before. That's what I've been able to do. I've been able to take a job, make it a career, make it a profession, make it a passion. Okay, and it doesn't happen overnight, but it has happened for me. And I hope and I pray that I can make it happen with others who want it, who need it. But you have to take that first step. And that first step is saying, gee, I want more. I want to do something that changes my life and the life of other people around me. There's no course you can take to bring the passion out of your heart. There's no course you can take that's going to give you everything you need. There's conversation there's mentoring, there's guidance, there's, there's, there's coaching, okay, that can occur. But everything about what you do in your career starts from within. It's what do you want? It's what I ask my students. What would you like? I had a situation just this past uh, uh, week with, uh, with a St. John's student where she said she wanted one of her projects to be that she wanted to be a preceptor like I was. She wanted to pay it forward to students like I was. And she wanted to 
bring more information that I was giving to her to others. I thought that was wonderful. Her name is Yaren, and she's with St. John's, and I said, that's your project. And then when we communicated that to others, then there were conversations and questions. Well, what is what is that? Is that part of the curriculum? You know, so the people at St. John's were asking, Kenny, what are you doing? Well, they ask a lot. What are you doing, Kenny? Well, I spoke to them and I said, well, what I'm doing is following the pathway that a student who is showing an initiative to do more, who wants to do more, I'm giving her the opportunity to do more. So they said, okay, we got it. That's fine. You know, I wasn't changing core curriculum. You don't. I was adding more value to the person who really said to me, I want more. And when she said, I want more, I said, I'm happy to serve it up. So in, in education, in facilitation, in the, in the communication of knowledge, there are no barriers. There's a, there's a guide, there's a syllabus, there's a curriculum, there's the course of study. But life is not, is not a, a course of study. Life is the experience of doing what you do, and you'll make mistakes, and you'll learn from those mistakes. You'll go wider. You'll go outside the line, away from the bench, out into the world to make those decisions that will really mold you as a person and mold you for the rest of your life. So, you know, it's not traditional. You can't stay, you know, on the straight and narrow, you know, thought process because then your life will be very narrow, very straight, you know, so it needs to be bends in the road. How do you hit the curveball back to, back to, you know, to sports? You know, if you can hit the fastball, that's great. If you can hit that one coming right down the middle, that's great. What happens if a curve comes up in your life? You have a great supervisor and all of a sudden you have a lousy supervisor. I had that. How do you deal with that? Okay. You had great financial situations and then all of a sudden you don't. And I dealt with that too. How do you deal with those things? How do you deal with the curveballs? Well, you deal with it from experience. And then when you get through it and when you deal with it, then you have the knowledge of what to do the next time. Because then there's going to be another curveball. Every day is a curveball. If you can hit the curveball, you can go to the Hall of Fame. And you can be standing there with a plaque just like next to Tom Seaver and Mickey Mantle and have your number retired. So I could talk all day. I won't. But, you know, the concierge hub is a conversation that hopefully touches deep into you for your memories. Why do you become a pharmacist? What was it about our profession that inspired you, that compelled you to work as hard as you did, to study as hard as you did, to pay as much as you did, to get to where you are? Don't let it slip away. Don't forget it. I remember 50 years ago like it was yesterday. Now, there are things you do forget. I don't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. That just happens. But at the end of the day, make sure that your memories and your vision and your passion for your profession never dies. Don't let a supervisor kill it. Don't let a corporation, a, a, a company that you work for kill it. 
Don't let the overall business of pharmacy where they don't respect our profession as providers hurt it and kill it for you. Don't let it die. Don't let it die. Keep it alive. Think back to the memories. Think back to the times in your life where being a pharmacist made you feel like the best person on earth. You are your own franchise. You are your own hero. You are your own person who you should be looking up to. Set the bar as high as you can do. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. Don't give up. It's too easy to give up. Could have given up a hundred times, you know, in my life. And I, there were times that I did. I just, you know, you throw your hands up and it's just, oh my God, it's just overwhelming. Yeah, it is overwhelming. Life is overwhelming. And sadly, in the healthcare profession that we've chosen, we chose it. Nobody chose, nobody told us we had to do it. We chose it. If this is the path we chose, do the best you can and bring your A game. And remember, 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 we work for the patient. They care more about us if we are care providers than the people we work for. Don't let the people we work for determine who we are. Don't let them define what a pharmacist is. The hub, the concierge approach to healthcare, care one concierge is taking what healthcare should be and putting it in the palm of your hands so you can deliver at the height of your diploma, at the height of your license, care, compassion, and empathy. That's what it's all about. The concierge hub is where healthcare solutions are discussed, facilitated, implemented, and put into practice. So, this is Ken Sternfeld, and I am a concierge pharmacist, and I never knew what the heck that meant. That just means that I'm trying to be the best damn pharmacist that I can be every single day. That's what a concierge approach is to life. So I want to tell everyone to have a wonderful week. We will have these conversations again. And again, you don't, you can turn it off or turn it on. It's you're the ones who's got the dial and you're the ones who can listen. No one can force you to take that next step to advance your career. I want to tell everyone to have a wonderful week and we will keep talking and hope you keep listening. Take care.